Welcome back to My Ovaries Made Me Do It. We have recently transitioned to a podcast, if you heard our first episode. So this is our second episode. Uh, You can find past information and videos at our YouTube channel, Untitled Women. Um, But I am Meg. I'm Deanna. And today we're talking about abortion. And it's a touchy subject, um, but it is one that we feel is very important to go over and address and discuss um, and really just shed light on information and, you know, values and opinions surrounding the topic. Absolutely. I found specifically like this is such a to- this is a topic that people tend to have such strong views on and so did I. And as I started researching it, I realized like, oh, there's so much more to this than I had any clue about. So mm-hmm. I'm really excited to dive in today. Yeah. And a few things that we just kind of want to share ahead of time uh, are some facts and figures that we found um, on the internet at different uh, websites. And it's estimated that one in four women in America will have had an abortion by the time they're 40, which is something I was unaware of. Um, and so it, it is a topic that definitely deserves discussion, you know, and sharing information about Um, And then another thing that we will be touching on today is the case of Roe versus Wade. Um, And so what that is, if you're unfamiliar, is a case from 1973 that led to the legalization of abortions in the U.S. And according to the BBC article that I was reading, uh, the Supreme Court justices ruled that governments uh, lack the power to prohibit abortions and that a woman's right to terminate her pregnancy came under the freedom of personal choice in family matters as protected by the 14th Amendment of the U.S. Constitution. However, since then, the states have adopted laws limiting abortion rights. So it is, you know, a very crucial topic to be discussing, especially now in the time where Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg has recently passed and her seat is open on the Supreme Court. And that could be a major turning point for things like abortion. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, one of the things that I also found out was that four out of 10 pregnancies in the U.S. and in abortion. Four out of ten. That's nearly half. Like, this is affecting a lot more women than you would sort of assume, you know? And so with this becoming yet again uh, to the forefront, our abortion rights, our women's rights, it's it's an important time to have this conversation. Absolutely. Yeah, and I know that I've seen at least recently, you know, and it's mm-hmm. been for years, but Planned Parenthood, um, is one of the places that has come under fire from the, you know, pro-life community because they're constantly pushing to have them closed or defunded. And honestly, Planned Parenthood does so much more than abortions. They, according to their website, from 2018 to 2019, abortions only accounted for 4% of their services. And in 2019, they actually um, performed under like just under 5 million STI exams and treatments and then about 2,500,000 birth control services and just over 500,000 breast exams and pap smears. So they do a lot more things than abortion. So if we defund these clinics and we, you know, stop people's access to these clinics, there's going to be a lot more that people are struggling with than you know, the right to a safe abortion. Yeah. Planned Parenthood offers such a variety of services and, you know, federal funding doesn't 
go to any abortions that take place through Planned Parenthood. So it's not even like people's taxes are what's paying for this, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, it is uh, accessible to people of all like income brackets. And I know that like I've had experience with Planned Parenthood where if it wasn't available, then there would have been no healthcare provided when needed at that time. Do you, like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like when I was a teenager, basically, like I took a friend to Planned Parenthood, which was my first experience with them. Mm-hmm. And Planned Parenthood being accessible to anybody and being able to pay what you can afford in most cases is the only way that healthcare is provided to to women, you know, to a lot of different women. It is not just the abortion. Like this can't be, we can't let it be defunded. (laughs) You know, we have to support these types of centers. Yeah. I absolutely remember a time in high school when I brought a friend to Planned Parenthood Mm -hmm. and it had nothing to do with abortions. It was purely because they had become sexually active and they wanted a way to obtain um, birth control but, you know, away from their parent because their parent was very conservative and did not want them, you know, having sex, knowing about sex. Um, But that just, that wasn't the case. They were in a relationship. Both parties were, you know, okay Mm -hmm. with having sex. And so she wanted to protect herself. She wanted more information about it. And she didn't want to run the risk of getting pregnant. So she did the responsible thing by going to Planned Parenthood and learning more about it. And, um, you know, obtaining birth control and preventing pregnancy. And it's like, it's things like that where it's like, yeah, you can say abstinence, abstinence, abstinence all day. But the reality is not everybody's going to follow that. So why not have a place where people can educate themselves and learn how to protect themselves and be safe when having sex? Oh, yeah. I mean, I have to say at the end like of my research, my biggest takeaway is that um, we need much like a lot more support around women, but specifically like more education around pregnancy preventions and how that is what would actually stop more abortions from happening than legal action, like preventing abortions. Because another thing that really surprised me is that six out of like 10 abortions that happen in this country happen with women that already have kids. They're not necessarily teenagers who just made mistakes and went out and got pregnant, but women at all stages of life, you know, with all ranging family, like home family situations happening that for one reason or another felt like another child, like they couldn't support another child in their life, right? That's more than half of women who are getting abortions already have children. Mm -hmm. And so the reasons, like there are, so many different reasons for abortion and I went through state by state and read what the like what their laws were around abortion and and what laws like in certain states uh like Mississippi Mississippi or like Alabama that they're like kind of waiting to put into place because they're in the court system right now yeah uh, which were some of the strictest ones and it's like basically it was rape and incest were the only instances in which an abortion was allowed I don't know. I just think it's really frustrating. Yeah, to limit it to such like a narrow point of view. And it was also that it was really coming from this male perspective, you Mm -hmm. know, around these laws and who is making these laws. It's not, this is where I believe that women need to support. We need more support because there are so many variables to why a woman will get a 
an abortion, you know, it's not very cut and dry. You can't just say like, oh, well, just because she wanted to have sex, she deserves to have a baby if she get pregnant. Like she doesn't deserve to, to choose not to, you know? Yeah. I just- yeah. And it just, it's, it's very much, you know, why do you reserve the right to decide what happens to my body? Yeah. And I am somebody personally who is pro-choice and pro-choice doesn't mean that I am all for abortions and killing babies. It means that I am for the right of the woman to choose what happens to her and, Mm -hmm. you know, what she does with her pregnancy. Yeah, absolutely. Same thing. Like I always... I've always been pro-choice, and as I start, and I thought I was kind of pro-choice across the, I mean across the board, like oh yeah, there's no exceptions for me. I started researching it, and I started to research a little bit into like late-term abortions, and that seems to be such a big hoopla, you know, with that passing in a few different states. And, you know, our president saying that, like, in the midst of a, a delivery, a woman can change her mind and they can, like, abort the baby in the birth canal, God, which is not how it works. 100% incorrect, right? Yeah. And I realized, anyway, through the research that there was something that did kind of bother me, a reason why some women chose to have an abortion. And I don't know if I really want to say, because it doesn't really matter. Because in the end, I was like, well, does it? If I support their reason behind it or not, does it matter? I support their choice. To, right. To, to, and it, to it is. That. It's mm-hmm. like a fine line of, yeah, I don't agree with all of it with, you know, mm-hmm. with late term abortions and things like that. However, if it's not my baby, it's not my body, it's not my choice. Yeah. You know, it's it's your own personal choice on what you do and how you live your life. And your morals might be different from my morals, but that doesn't make them any less significant or valid. Yeah, absolutely. And so just I don't know how we can get that to stick <laughs> in the law is that it's it's nobody's right to make that decision except for the woman going through it. It is so personal, if not like probably the most per like personal and and defining decision a woman can make about her life is whether or not to have a baby. And it it doesn't mean that she was irresponsible with her birth control even because birth control, no matter what, is not 100%. You know? So I don't know. I just feel like, yeah, we really need to give the power to the women to make those decisions and to stop making them feel guilty or anything because also having more support after women have abortions, I found is really important that there's like a little bit out there, but there's not because it's such like a difficult conversation to have, you know, there's not a lot of like public resources around this. I even tried to find on YouTube videos because I was like, all right, let's see like about people who have gone through an abortion and like put it out there in the world. And there was very few. I literally was only really able to watch two videos of people who went through their, um, the abortion process and and they both had very different reasons for going through it. One really struck me, which was the girl was just like, I would hate the child because I hated the relationship so much. And she was like, I just felt so much like detachment from that baby. And that's something I don't, I never even considered in a woman's reason, right? Which again mm-hmm. comes back to me is like, there are, it's just so personal and there's so many reasons we can't comprehend. It's not, it's not for us to judge. Yeah. Well, and kind of what, what brought about this whole discussion on abortion yeah. was a little bit of the passing of Ruth Bader Ginsburg, but also a movie that recently released called Unpregnant, um, and it's on HBO Max. 
And it essentially follows the story of these two friends and the one girl uh, is going to get an abortion and she literally uh, lives, I believe, in Minnesota and has to travel all the way to New Mexico to be able to get a safe um, and legal abortion at the age of 17 because, um, according to Guttmacher.org, uh, apparently 37 states uh, out of our 50 states require some type of parental involvement in a minor's decision to have an abortion. So this story followed this girl who literally had to travel almost a thousand miles in order to obtain the right to an abortion at the age of 17. And there's this moment in the film where like she kind of addresses the absurdity of it all of like, why do I have to go through this? Why is it that I have to travel this far and go through, obviously they're going through all these um, crazy antics that came because it's a Hollywood movie, but you know, it just, it's insane that she had to go to those lengths in order to do that. Mm-hmm. And then it really, really does address that point that you were saying of like, well, what happens after? So she goes home and spoiler alert, she does end up having the abortion, which I actually commend that movie. I feel like a lot of movies prior to more recent ones will typically like have them change their mind, which there's nothing wrong with changing your mind. But when it's every movie that has them change their mind, it's not really showing a true depiction of, you know, the after effects of if you do go through it or, you know, yeah. all that stuff. So in this film, they they did stick to it. They did have her go through with it and she gets home and her mother, who is, you know, this very Catholic woman um, and her sister isn't there, but her mom kind of lets us know, lets the audience know that like her sister had a child at a very young age and decided to go through with it. And she says to her daughter that like she'll never understand the choice she made. And she'll never agree with the choice she made, but she loves her so much more than their difference of opinion. And I thought that that was like a really nice way to show that there is still support there. There is still love there. And they don't have to see eye to eye on on the topic because at the end of the day, it was the daughter's right to choose what happens to her body. And her mother, like she said, will never agree with it, will never understand it, but still loves her. Mm Mm-hmm. That's beautiful. Yeah, it's really nice to hear that there's a movie because I didn't watch the movie, but that has that message in it. Because so often you're right, it movies and society pro- like projects or um, depicts women getting abortions, like often switching to keeping the baby and that being the solution. And it's just not mm-hmm. the solution for everybody, you know. And we can have differences of opinion, but still love each other. Mm-hmm. I like that a lot. Yeah, I was really surprised. Like you had mentioned, like you had mentioned the movie to me, and so I did Google, and I was like googling all of the abortion clinics in the country, and there are some very, very clear gaps within the country, and um, you know, all up and down the coasts, both coasts, there are literally there's just clinics all over right and there's mm-hmm. there's enough clinics i would say for the population and then you start getting to places again like mississippi or i think north dakota had none like on the map you know which there might still be some there but there was none on the googled map of it and i was just like wow it was interesting to actually see it even though i know that women do have to travel for abortions and that nature you know and one of the reasons that i was reading that like more than half of the people who end up getting late term abortions 
right? Which is still just like a fraction. And a late term abortion is defined as happening between the 21st and the 20, I think it's the 24th week. Um, it can happen later than that, but that's even more uncommon. And so it's really like towards the end of your second trimester and more than half of the women that end up getting abortions during that time, it was because of the lack of access to an abortion and that it took them like that much time to save up the money or to travel to a clinic that would, you know, offer the procedure to them and that they did want to have abortions earlier in, yeah in the pregnancy. Yeah. You know, and even in, um, a place like Texas, anyone who like offers abortions does offer the this pill that you can take the the chemical abortion, and mm-hmm. so it part of the pill like like the second half of the pill is the same pill that you would end up taking if you had a miscarriage to just like expel out anything with the child like any tissue that was still left within you. And Mm -hmm. in Texas, pharmacists have the right to say that they don't want to give you that pill, whether it's been prescribed to you for an abortion or prescribed to you because you had a miscarriage, they can make the judgment based off of their perception of you on whether they think you should have that medication or not. And it just, it blew my mind. Like, I can't imagine how- But how traumatizing, too, to, like, be going through either experience, right, a miscarriage or an abortion, again, like, a a traumatic experience, and then to have some pharmacist because of their views, because of their Mm -hmm. perception of you, and to tell you you can't have it, like, you can't have this medication, whether you actually need it because you had a miscarriage or because you you chose it to have the abortion and it just yeah it blew my mind and so a lot of people will go over to Mexico and pick up these pills for for like an at-home abortion basically which has you know no instructions there's no way for them to know the proper dosage if anything goes wrong um you know it can result not just in death but in hysterectomies and it, it just on top of that, it's a fraction of the price. You'll pay five hundred dollars in Texas, and you'll pay thirty in Mexico, and it's just and that's just it's it's terrifying. And in speaking yeah. to that, you know, there there are according to Goodmarker dot uh, forty five states are allowed. They allow individual healthcare providers to refuse to participate in an abortion. So even if yeah. your healthcare coverage covers it, or you go to a place that allows it, they can choose to refuse your service. And forty two states allow institutions to refuse to perform abortions so again you could go to a place and they could just say no they could just say no like and it just that's terrifying and infuriating and just i feel like if if this were flipped and it had something to do with you know something other than pregnancy states would not be allowed to do that you know no not at all i just It's so frustrating. I saw a meme or something it was, again, while researching this, and it was just like, you know, if men could get pregnant, abortions would be available at Walmart. And it just made me think, like, it really feels like it's more than just – honestly, it's kind of like it's holding back against women, (laughs) not just Mm. against pregnancy, like some way of stifling us because because of there's also this lack of access around women who do have babies for them to be supported, you know, like – 
statistics that were coming out when I was reading it about the women who do have abortions, it's specifically the ones that already have kids, which, right, as I said earlier, is more than half of abortions are done by women that already have kids. It's because I don't feel that they can support another baby, that they can give their other children everything that they need. And on top of that, like have another child. And most of it was like around health and money, honestly. At the end of the day, you want to make it, you know, accessible and safe. Like there's, I, you know, I think it's Dirty Dancing. In Dirty Dancing, they perform just an abortion at the camp because they, I'm not sure exactly why, but I'm assuming it's because they have lack of, you know, access. And it's just, it's unsafe. They have to get uh, baby's dad to go check the girl out because the, it goes wrong, you know, and like she doesn't end up dying. But you just you're putting these people at risk because they're going to try and do it regardless. You know, they're going to like you said, they're going to go to Mexico and get these pills that, you Mm -hmm. know, haven't been tested, have no directions, and they're just going to do it at home. And like, that's so unsafe. Just provide safe access to it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it shows that when abortion is legal, more women survive. And when Mm -hmm. abortion is illegal, there's the same amount of abortions. People still aren't going to have their child if they don't want their child, but more women die and have like farther reaching implicate, like more um, health issues. Yeah. And it's, it's ridiculous. I just, yeah, we definitely need, that's why Planned Parent is so important because it offers access to these healthcare for every woman that needs it. Any person that needs it, you can walk in with no money and you can get care at a Planned Parenthood. That is just so important. Well, and there's even, there's an episode that I'm being reminded of in Grey's Anatomy and it's not um, necessarily surrounding abortion, but uh, it's a woman and she, I believe, I'm doing this from memory, but I believe um, they have a particular, you know, religious belief that they just uh, have children and they don't use birth control and it becomes a problem with her health because the doctors essentially say like you can't get pregnant anymore or else like you're putting your health at risk and the woman doesn't want any more babies you know they already have many kids and the husband is like no we believe in you know not not using preventative care like not allowing us to have the amount of children that whatever god they believe in intended And Meredith actually messes up. I'm saying that with air quotes because she doesn't, you know, and she gives this woman, um, she like ties her tubes or just kind of does something to them so that she can't have babies anymore. And, you know, she's taking her medical license. She's putting that at risk because technically nothing went wrong. She just did that as as a courtesy to the woman, you know, but it just it's frustrating that this woman could potentially die from getting pregnant again. And they're just like, well, if it's meant to be, it's meant to be. And it just, that's your own religious beliefs. But if the woman is deciding that she doesn't want to have any more kids, why are you stopping her? That's kind of a different argument than what we're having here. But it just kind of reminded me of that. Yeah. Well, I think that goes back to kind of the point I made towards at the beginning, whereas one of the things that my big takeaway from this is that we need better education around pregnancy prevention. And it doesn't have to just be, you know, like your more traditional forms of birth control. You can learn your cycle. And this is what like the Catholic Church used to do. Like that's how my grandmother was taught birth control was to learn her cycle when she ovulates. Like she didn't have access to birth control. My grandfather used to work at a condom factory and he would say the condoms are not safe. (laughs) He was like, you could like they, you know, he would tell me all the time. He was like, 
the ones that are defective get packaged constantly. He goes in the, you know, That's you terrifying. never, I know, but, but then again, I mean, when my grandfather did this, this was like 70 years ago, you know what I mean? Yeah. Or 50 years ago, so things have changed, but <laughs> it is terrifying. That's like, cause birth control is not a hundred percent, even learning your own cycle and your ovulation and knowing your body and the signs of when you can get pregnant and can't like it, even that's not a hundred percent because there are so many just like different factors. Like the human body is, so <laughs> there's just so much going on to know it all, you know, but having that access to better education around what, what and even giving men, you know, better education around sex prevention or not sex prevention, but pregnancy prevention, I think would help prevent a lot of unwanted pregnancies and the less unwanted pregnancies that there are, the less abortions that there will be. I firmly am pro-choice, but I also believe that that's not something that any woman really wants to have to deal with because yeah. it's hard. It is really hard. Yeah. Going back to actually the, the movie Unpregnant, it turns out that we find out that um, the main character's boyfriend realized that the condom broke when they were having sex and that's how she ends up getting pregnant mm-hmm. and he's too afraid to tell her. So he just doesn't tell her. And she gets so mad when she finds out because she's like, there's so many other things we could have done. I could have taken plan B, you know, like we could have gone to, I could have gone to my gynecologist. Like there's all these things I could have done had I known. And I think that that shows the lack of, you know, sex education on his part, that he wasn't aware that there were these things in place that could have still prevented a pregnancy rather than just, you know, freaking out and being like, oh, I'm not going to tell her. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, right? Just like hoping for the best. <laughs> yeah. And it's like yeah. you you made a choice that affects your girlfriend that is now going to cause her to have to make a life-changing decision, mm-hmm. you know, and it just had he, you know, and I don't know whether the character knew or not about plan B, but you know, had he known that that was an option, would he have then told her, you know? Right. More than likely. I mean, because that's like a lot simpler mm-hmm. and less expensive and less mm-hmm. uh, it's just easier in general yeah. than having to deal with a with an actual abortion and all of the emotions and yep. I mean that's still stress on your body. The hormones in your body shift dramatically being pregnant and then no longer being pregnant. So it's um, well. And on the topic of Plan B, something that I fairly recently only found out the past few years, it doesn't actually work on you if you're over like 180 pounds. Yes. I found that out too. Like just this past year, it blows my mind because it's get- like sixty percent less effective, or like even higher, maybe seventy percent less effective if you're over one hundred and eighty pounds. Yeah, who the hell? Like I know. Sorry to curse, but like who would have thought that? And again, we need more education around this because mm-hmm. abstinence is not realistic for everybody. But knowing your options, I feel like puts people more empowered in their sexual decisions and. That only leads to like betterness for everybody, you know? Yeah. So there's a movie that recently came out. I have not seen it yet, but I've read several reviews on it and it looks amazing. But part of the description is uh, the movie's called Never Rarely, Sometimes Always. And essentially it's about a young woman who lives in Pennsylvania and she goes to New York City to obtain an abortion. But when she's at home in Pennsylvania, her like local clinic Uh, doesn't even discuss the option of abortion with her. They only share, you know, the option of adoption or keeping your baby. Mm -hmm. And they mislead her about how far along in her pregnancy she is. And they just, you know, 
feed into this idea of like, well, abortion's not an option. And also we're not going to give you the tools to have the right knowledge about it and to have all the proper facts and figures in front of you. And I know that you and I were discussing something about this off, off, off the mic. podcast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, for one, this is actually something that our current administration, the current Trump administration is working on and has done is that they have cut funding to NGOs across the world that give out any information on abortions. They are old. If they counsel women for anything other than having the baby or adopt adoption, they are no longer allowed to receive any sort of funding. And it's not that they offer abortions because no federal funds go towards the actual uh, like abortion procedure, but just them counseling on all of the information that is available, all of the options that are available to a woman is preventing these NGOs from getting getting grant money, which is, and that's worldwide, like from the US though, but that's, that's pretty terrifying in itself. And I started to dive into this stuff because I came across this website and I was a little confused with some of the information on it and how it was presenting facts. And as I got deeper into researching about abortion and, and planned parenthood, I found out that there are centers all over the U.S. and they are called crisis pregnancy centers. Um, although they'll sometimes go by like different names, but their sole purpose, they are, they, the reason they are created was to deceive women into having a baby, like to deceive women from getting an abortion. And so exactly, they will tell you that you're much farther along than you actually are making it seem like abortion's not an option. They very rarely will even give you any information about an abortion that is correct um, one of the main things that has come out is that often these pregnancy centers will tell you that abortions will cause cancer, breast cancer. Um, you'll never be able to have another baby. You're going to have to have a hysterectomy, like all of these things to really frighten women away from getting an abortion. And they also will co very commonly will come up very close to Planned Parenthoods or other um, healthcare clinics that do offer abortions so that women get confused and go there instead. Like literally their po the point of them being in existence is to deceive women out of all of their options. And like, how, how is that allowed? <laughs> it just blows my mind that that is yeah. something that we are still dealing with and we're in 2020. And the scary thing is people don't know that they're being misled or deceived, you know, and it's just, yeah. I was reading an article in doing research for this and, you know, I was looking up facts about Planned Parenthood and things like that. And I came across an article and it said like unbiased facts about Planned Parenthood. And so I clicked on it and I was reading through it and it was very obviously not unbiased <laughs> at all. And then I, you know, looked further into where this article was coming from and it was from a, a pro-life group essentially is what it was. And I was like, you <laughs> this is not unbiased. This is kind of like watching, you know, Fox News or MSNBC and having them call their, <laughs> their news report unbiased. Like, no, yeah. you, you clearly are biased. You're clearly falling on a particular side. 
<laughs> like, but yeah, right? It's just it's it's all out there as just like they don't present themselves. It is presented the pro life. It's religious in a lot of ways, and I get it. There are people out there that literally think it is the devil's work, and that these babies are being sold for the God knows what reasons. I understand why it brings up like such a strong viewpoint in people, all right, and why they're so against it. I don't know. I just don't see it as our right to govern what another person does with their body at all. And as long as that baby is inside the woman's body, it's it's her choice in my mind. And that's what I really, that's where pro-choice is. Yeah. At the end of the day, it's not up to you and me to decide what happens yeah. to somebody's body and, you know, the choice that they make. Um, and you can be you can be pro-life and be pro-choice you know like for me I would and I guess that's not the right terminology of it but you know like I personally I would be okay with having a child and putting it up for adoption kind of thing like I am at the point in my life where if I got pregnant that would be my option but who knows how I would have felt you know 10 years ago or 15 years ago or you should have the right to determine what happens yeah. to you or even in the future who knows your how you're going to feel in 10 years do you know like maybe you'll already have a gaggle of children and again it's like that one and it can become like you were talking about earlier like with the Grey's Anatomy like literally a woman's uterus cannot always support a baby and it is like detrimental to her health and it can be detrimental mm-hmm. to like your future health because even though you can carry maybe a baby full term that could lead into some serious prolapse issues, which then you might not be able to lift your babies up. There's severe prolapse where you can't hold more than five pounds. And it, it just, it drastically mm-hmm. changes your quality of life and the quality of life that you're able to provide for your family. You know, because again, six out of 10 of the abortions that happen are with women that already have kids. And one other thing, though, that really stood out to me was that the most common feeling reported after an abortion was relief. And that often, like, people did also have feelings of... I believe that. um, ...loss and, like, emptiness. And some felt some, like, sadness and depression and heaviness. But, again, typically most people did not regret their decision. And then the main reported... Um, feeling was relief and there weren't a lot of stats on this just because in general on abortion there wasn't a ton of stats I don't know if you came across that too like I was a little surprised because there was very there's very little research around yeah well and that's part of why we're doing this today is because there really isn't Mm -hmm. that much information out there regarding people who have abortions and like you said giving them support after an abortion and I I will say that this is a topic that is definitely being more addressed, you know, in in this Mm -hmm. decade and the last few years, more so than I feel like ever before. And, you know, people are opening up the floor to to have more discussions about this and to shed light on this and to inform people and to look into how we can support after the facts and mental health and things like that. you know, and that's that's why we're here it's today. Important. It's important to get the facts correct and to get people to understand it. And Well, and there's 26 states that require a woman yeah. who's seeking an abortion to wait a certain amount of time, you know, before receiving the abortion. So between getting counseling and discussing the option and actually, you know, setting the um, yeah. the date, you know, setting the appointment. Um, so there there is that waiting period of now you have all the information, you know, 
look through it and which one is right for you. Is this really what you want to do? Were you not aware of all the options? You know, do you still feel the same after learning about abortions? Like maybe you do change your mind and maybe that's not the route that you want to go and you're okay with Mm -hmm. adoption or keeping the baby, you know, and that's, I think it's important to have that waiting time, but to also provide women with all of their options to have the knowledge of this massive life-changing choice. I don't know how I feel about the waiting time. I don't really like that it's required, I have to say, just because I feel as if, again, we need to leave the sovereignty, like the woman's sovereignty in her hands. It is her decisions and her choices. But it's also a decision that you can't undo one way or the other. Mm -hmm. Like you're either going to have the baby or you're not. Yeah. Um, Yeah. It was really crazy. Like I said, I read through each state and all of their guidelines around abortion. And some of the ones that they are really trying to push forth are things like the heartbeat law, um, or if they're going to allow access to abortions, they want it to happen within like the first six weeks, which most women do not know that they are pregnant within the first six weeks. So it is another way I feel like of just restricting access to abortion is to make it yeah. before women are even not only aware of it, then again, you have to find access to an abortion clinic. You have to be able to afford the abortion. And like I stated earlier, that is one of the, that is why more than mm-hmm. half of the women who get late term abortions are because they didn't have access to get it sooner. It's, a, it's kind of like a catch 22 in the way that it's at, at the moment. We have to really make sure that we are paying attention that, you know, you don't get complicit about things because it is, although it is a right that we've had our entire lives, like it's not guaranteed for the next generation. It's not even guaranteed for our generation anymore that we're going to continue to have access to this type of health care. Yeah. I mean, you know, to start yeah. a, to sort of kind of close this out, you know, why is it important to discuss this issue before the election? And part of that is, you know, the Supreme Court has an open seat. And so the president recently nominated Amy Coney Barrett um, for this position. And, you know, if her nomination is approved, it could mean a shift in future rulings because she falls on the conservative side. And while we do not know how she would vote on this issue, we do know that she is a conservative, uh, you know, and they are at the moment kind of filling a majority of the seats. So there, like you said, there is the potential that future generations and even even us could be yeah. affected by future oh, yeah. rulings. Absolutely. And although for the most part it'll probably become state by state, right? Is kind of my understanding of what might happen with this all. That then leaves, you know, like our fellow women yeah. in other like North Dakota, Mississippi, Alabama Alabama has some of the strictest laws out there around abortion. And you know, Louisiana, it's just going to start leaving these places with like these people that live in in those states with so much less access and availability to abortions, as well as access to support around having children. It's not like they're trying that our government is trying to prevent abortions, but offer, you know, help to those women then that are having these unwanted pregnancies and then unwanted babies. They're just like, no, you can't have abortions. Now figure it out. Those sort of like statistically are already 
poorer states that tend to have people of like a lower income level, a lower education level. And it's just a, a way of keeping people held back because it is harder to to make like big life changing and life forward moving steps when you have children. And especially if you had children in already difficult situations, you know, or again, these women who wouldn't have babies otherwise are now being forced to, and that's what they're going to have to deal. I just, yeah. Point being is that voting is important. Paying attention to all this is important. And whether or not you agree with abortion, it's time that like, we really just support women to make, to make the decisions that are best for them and their families. The government and certainly the church does not belong in that decision making. Yeah, you know, I agree with that. And if if religion is something you turn to, then that's perfectly fine. And you can be counseled Mm -hmm. on your own by your religious beliefs. But for others who do not, you know, believe in the same things that you believe, they should, you know, they should have no mandate on how and what you do in, in that particular choice. Yeah. Well, to any woman out there who is ever had to deal with an abortion or is dealing with an abortion, you know, I would say that you really, you're not alone, even though it might feel like that. And to find someone that you do trust to really be able to open up with and talk to, um, because there is a lack of those resources for women, like obviously going through the the beginning stages of really like finding out about abortions a lot there's a lot of information out there meant to mislead you and then on the other side of that there's not a whole lot of um access to support afterwards and especially like fear of judgment from others fear of just disclosing such a personal vulnerable thing you know, I, I really encourage you to find someone that you can share that with so that it's not just you don't just hold all that inside because what's right for you is what's right. And I always thought like, I've always been pro-choice. I never thought I would get an abortion if I got pregnant, but I've never had to, honestly, I've never been pregnant. So I've never had to think about it in like an actual real, real life situation. We, we are talking from, from the vantage point of, we haven't personally had to deal with this. Um, but it's important to have information available to those who are and just to have information available for everyone in general so that you can be there to support your friends and family going through this decision should they you know, turn to you to lean on. There are places on the internet that you can go and find information. Um, some of those are plannedparenthood.org. You can also visit prochoice.org. And then for those of you in Texas, um, which is the state that I currently live in, there is the ACLUTX.org. So those are just some places you can go to check out more information on this topic, learn more information about obtaining an abortion, or just facts in general about abortion. Thank you for joining us today to discuss this topic. It is uh, something that is important and needs to get out there. If you have any questions, comments, we'd love to hear your thoughts and opinions on this topic. Please share them with us. You can find us on YouTube, uh, Untitled Women. You can find me on Twitter at Untitled Meg and on Instagram at Untitled underscore women. And you can find me at Kundalini underscore D. 
Make sure to tune in next time. We are going to be talking about female versus male censorship. So that should be a pretty good episode where we'll be discussing a lot of our favorite TV shows, movies, and media in general. So stay happy, stay healthy, and stay curious. Until next time. Bye. Bye.